Hi, this is Jason Lee, pastor of Casper Alliance Church. Thanks for stopping by our weekly teaching podcast. This is week six of our Titus series. One of our key leaders, Chris, shared this morning. If you'd like to know more about our church, Casper Alliance Church, you can check us out at facebook.com forward slash Casper Alliance Church. You can check us out at casperchurch.com at our website, or you can go to your app store or Google Play Store and download our app. Just search for Casper Alliance Church. Look for the double C's and download. Hey, thanks for listening. Hope you have a great week. So, uh, our series is still Titus. It's a leadership series. And this week's passage is chapter 3, verses 3 through 8. Um, you've got plenty of time to turn there because I won't get to it till later. But as Mark and Jason have kind of commented, working through Titus, uh, there's a lot of landmines here. In fact, when Jason asked me, do I want to preach this series? And I said, yeah. He says, go ahead and pick what, what passage you want to preach. So I, I was reading through it, and I'm thinking to myself, okay, I'm going to get myself in trouble if I talk about that. And then I said, I'm going to really get myself in trouble if I talk about that. And I am definitely going to get myself in trouble if I talk about that. Yeah, so that's what I did, right? I picked the easiest passage I could find in Titus. I admit it. I am played the chicken in, in what I chose to preach on today. So if you ever wonder what it looks like for poultry to preach, there you go. Uh, I did play the chicken. This is the chickenest passage I could find. Um, so, as I'm preparing for it, uh, I do what I do. I, I'm praying about it. I'm just kind of let it, letting it set on my mind. Uh, what should I do? Um, and I kind of got this snapshot of my life. Uh, a bit like they talk about, you know, when your life flashes before your eyes. But it seemed like God kind of gave me a few snapshots of some lessons he's taught me over the years, which I, I may not have actually, actually consciously was aware of, but now that I've thought about it, I am. So I wanted to kind of share those lessons with you today. Um, and, and I want to say at the front end, I don't share these lessons because I think they're the lessons you need to learn from this passage. I share them to inspire you to pay attention to what God might want to teach you with this passage. So to get the lessons, you've got to go back about 20 years. So I'm about 19. Uh, I've been living on my own for about a year. A friend of mine just graduated and bought a house, so I rented a room from him. Uh, he's really kind, didn't charge me you know, for utilities and all that kind of thing. The thing is, because he was just as poor as I was, uh, he would leave the thermostat right about at thaw, like on days like today, right? And if you know anything about chickens, thaw is a very dangerous temperature for us. So. I, I, just, I just remember that you know, it was, that was one of the hard things to deal with. But as we, as we lived together, our lives actually started to diverge more. You know, we hung out quite a bit before we moved in, and then the weird thing happened. We moved in together, and we didn't, we didn't hang out as much. But we would find ourselves every once in a while, um, a Friday or Saturday night, uh, with nothing to do. So we, we'd sit down, we'd talk, we'd crack open a couple of Mike's Hard Lemonades. We were real tough guys back then, um, but that's what we talked around. And we would talk about what's going on. We'd talk about work. We'd talk about church. We'd talk about school. And in these conversations, I found that we would come across all these problems, how these leaders were doing it wrong, how these churches were doing it wrong, how the school districts were doing it wrong. And I had all the answers to these problems. I didn't know about it until we started talking about it. But as we talked through it, I realized, hey, I've got all the solutions. This is how... All these people should be doing it. This is how the leaders should be doing it. This is how pastors could be doing it better. This is how ministries should be doing it. My boss could be doing it a lot better if you just do it this way. 
So us two guys, about 19 and 18, were sitting in this room, in this little house, solving all the problems of the world. It's great times. Unfortunately, no one was like coming and knocking down our door. You know, it's not like anybody was asking me to go lead something. It's not like, like girls were knocking at my door saying, hey, you're the perfect husband for me because you've got all these answers figured out. That, that was many years later. Um, but this is how it was, right? I had all these solutions, all these problems, I had all the things figured out. Anytime the situation was outside myself and was someone else's fault, I had the answer for them. Of course, my life was messed up still. I didn't have everything figured out for myself, but that's beside the point. So God had to do a transformation in my life. And he taught me three lessons over the next 20 years. He taught me a humbling lesson. He taught me a sobering lesson. And he taught me a very practical lesson. The humbling lesson came through a lot of years of studying. I, I, I was kind of a nerd. I liked to study philosophy. I listened to philosophers and read philosophy books. And I was into that thing. But over time, I started to realize that, hey, you know what? My perspective of the world and how it works is actually very narrow and limited. I see things based on how I put it together in my own little head, based on my own limited experiences and my own limited education. See, I had what I think we all do is I've created this mental model, right, of how the world works in my head. And that mental model was exactly right from my perspective. And every situation I saw, I saw from that mental model. This is how the world works. Well, as God kind of got it through my thick skull over the next 20 years or so, I began to understand that my perspective was effective, and it did not have all the answers to all the problems. That mental model, although accurate maybe in ways, was very, very small and limited. And when you start to come to that realization, it is very humbling, actually, to know that I don't necessarily have always the best answers for everything. And that kind of got me into this next lesson that God wanted to teach me, which was the sobering lesson. You see, I would see a situation, I would see problems, I would see things happening that needed to be better, and I would take those problems, and what I would do is I'd plug them into my mental model, right? Almost like an algebraic equation. I'd say, there's the problem, here's how the world works, and you know what? Out would pop the answer. Out would pop the solution. Here's what they need to do. If only I was in charge of that, I'd be doing it better this way. If only they would adjust something here, they could actually be doing this a lot better. Another sobering thing, beside the point actually, is now I have kids, and sometimes they like to tell me how I could be doing it better too. So I got, got kind of that other side of things, that Isaac smiles because he knows he's the one I'm talking about. But that's what we do, right? We've got these mental models. We got the ants. We got all the problems around us, and we just plug them into how we know the world works, and boom, there's the solution. There's the answer. Again, though, it's not like people were knocking down my door. It's not like I was leading any real charge or anything. Like it's not like I was making any great, you know, progress in life, like leading things or or doing things. I was just in my own little world, in this own little house, talking to my friend over a couple of alcoholic beverages, solving the problems of the world. Then, what God did in this sobering lesson, you would think that he would let me go out, experience the world, and fail. But in fact, what happened is as I got some leadership positions, as I got opportunities to put some of my ideas into play, 
what he allowed me to do was succeed. I actually had a lot of accolades from different leaders and authorities saying, hey, you're doing a good job. Hey, you should do this for a living. Hey, you should do that. And unexpected to me was that when I brought these solutions, these ideas, and I fixed these problems, I brought along with me two or three new problems. You see, I plugged these problems into my mental model as I saw them, but I could not see the problems that I would bring to the table because I wasn't involved at the time. Remember, I'm only looking on the outside. That's what this person should be doing better, right? That, if they would just do it this way, it would work right. And you know what? I, it did. It fixed their problems. But what I didn't realize is that in and of myself, who I am actually brought a whole new set of problems to the table. Problems that probably the people coming up after me are saying, you know what? He should be doing it better. He should be doing it a little bit. If I was in his shoes, I'd be doing it this way. And it is very sobering when you realize that the best you can offer brings a whole bunch of problems for people, not because you intend to, but by the very nature of who you are, creates problems for people. So God brought me through this humbling lesson, and over a period of time got me through this sobering lesson. And before I get to the practical one, I just want to share with you a little bit of how this, of a real story that this has affected in my life. And it, it goes back about 16 years. Hannah and I got married about 16 and a half years ago. And, you know, I had never experienced a credit card before I got married. I'd paid cash for everything. Um, so she had a credit card, and, and I didn't have the self-control of it. And over time, we found ourselves getting into a little debt. And being who I am, right, the problem solver, the solution maker, I looked at that debt finally and said, hey, all the expert advice out there says, I need to get rid of this credit card debt. So this is how we do it. We set the budget, we set our goals, we get out of the credit card debt, and that's what we decided to do. And it was working. And part of our plan was kind of, we, all, we both had different aspects of the budget, right? I was kind of more the overseer, the visioner. I, I set the large directions, I paid the bills, I dealt with the financial problems, and she kind of managed the day-to-day -day stuff, including the grocery budget and and you know the different maintenance things of the house. And we set a, a budget category for each of these and said, okay, we need to stay within these budget categories in order to make our goals. And what would happen is a month would come along and we're doing good and I'd be all great and fine, but another month would come along and suddenly we're overspending our budget. So I would look at the numbers and I would say, oh, you know where we're overspending our budget? It's in the grocery category. And then I would start berating Hannah with a bunch of questions, right? Why are you doing it this way? What, what could you be doing better? Let me give you some suggestions, some advice. Let me tell you how you could be doing the grocery budget better. Needless to say, these weren't the most fun conversations in our marriage. Now, we had a good marriage, but these are probably some of the hardest times is when my mental model got in the way and I started popping out these solutions and answers to a problem, quite frankly, I didn't have a real clear handle on because I was not the one dealing with it day to day. Over time, God started to get some other things through my thick skull. And as I started to understand these things about myself, that I am limited, that I see the world from a perspective, that I don't have all the answers, and what answers I do have, I'm probably going to bring a whole load of other problems to the table. It got me to the point of, okay, God, I just need you. Right? I just need you to save me from my situation. I need you to pull me out of this because there's no hope of me actually leading well 
without you actually being involved here. So what I started to do is pay attention, not to all the experts, not to all the podcasts and the blogs and the books, although there's a lot of good stuff in there, but I started to pay attention to how God was leading me. How did God interact with me? Because you see, when God manifests himself in our life, that's Christ. Anytime God manifests himself in our life, that's him reaching out to us through Christ. And if I was going to be Christ to the world, if I was going to be Christ to those things that I led, if I was going to be Christ to my wife and my family, I had to really start to pay attention to how was God leading me through Christ. And what I'm about to share with you is very personal. It's not it's not, nothing extraordinary, but I, I guess I say that because I don't want you thinking necessarily that this is exactly how you are to do it. But what I do want you to do is pay attention to how is God leading you? How is God extending to your life through Christ? And what I found for myself is that God would express himself to me, right? He'd make himself known to me. In his word is who he is, what his character is like, what his heart is, what his desires are. Everything I need to know to be in relationship with God. And that, when he expresses that to me, then he kind of stands back and says, okay now, Chris, go and do that. Use your abilities that I've given you. Use your creativity. Use the things that inspire you. And go and make decisions and do things that are in line with who I am. And that's how we together engage in this relationship in the world. Amen. And as I started to pay attention to that a little bit, I started to grab a hold of this. I actually started to lead in this way. So going back to the budget story with my wife, when, when, when the budget would go off a little bit and I, and I could nail down that you know our groceries a little overspent, instead of this is how you need to be doing it better, it was more, okay, let's, let's come back to our heart. Let's come back to our vision. What is our unified goal in this? And then what can I do to help you? What can I do to support you as you make the decisions you need to make to make sure we make this work together? And what happens was a change in Hannah, actually, is that she started to take more responsibility for her decisions. She started to take ownership. She started to see that, okay, if it needs to be adjusted, I need to do it, instead of just sitting back waiting for her husband to tell her how to do it better and then having to get all defensive that she's doing the best she can. And over time, her creativity and her way of following God and our budget and our groceries has just had an amazing result. You know, back when we started this budget, it was just us two. And we created a budget number for groceries based on two people. Some of you know over time we've had a few more kids. We're up to six now. And you know what? Hannah has never increased that budget number one penny. Now, that's not to say she stays within that budget number every time, but how she works is she needs this goal to strive for. She doesn't need necessarily within our budget a limit to stay within. She needs a goal to strive for. Now, that doesn't work for me who's trying to look at the numbers and say, I need, I need to know what this is going to look like so I got the big picture. But you know what? This is a working together thing. This is a partnership thing. That's how she works. How can I support her? And now every once in a while, she'll get a bug, right? She'll, it's been a while, but she would get a bug to where she'd go and read a podcast or listen to a podcast or read a blog. Listen to these people who are kind of gurus of groceries, you know, who can tell you how to 
coupon cut and how to spend and be efficient with your money and how to feed your family on such and such budget. And what she found was that the, the per number she spends on, on per person or family was a lot lower than what these gurus say you know, is reasonable. And you guys, a lot of you know us, we don't live on beans and rice every day. We actually eat pretty well. We just had pork chops the other day. I know, right? And yet she feeds our family on a number much, much lower than even the best of the best out there say is reasonable for people to spend on groceries for a family. Why? Largely because I stood back and let her figure out how to do it. I was not leading well. God needed to save me from that. Now, don't go ask her how to do this, right? Because it's a personal journey with God. It's her figuring out how God is moving in her life with our situations and our ways of doing it. She doesn't have, and she's even changed her models over the time, given the new seasons of life of how she does this. But that's the third lesson. That's the practical lesson God taught me, is that it isn't about telling somebody what to do or how to do it better. It isn't about me having the answers and figuring out. Think about this, right? God knows exactly what needs to be done. He's got the perfect answers. He's got the answer for every problem of every situation in your life. Why not just write it down and tell us? I've got some tough decisions to make tomorrow. God, why not just write it down and tell me? Either he's being negligent in his responsibilities with me, or there's something else going on here. There's something bigger at stake. Maybe it's not about making the perfect decisions. There was a line in a song we just sang, and I'm not going to be able to recall exactly word for word now, but it was about just being near with him, being near to him, him being with us. There's that, that heart of just being together. And I think that's what's at stake here. More important than us making perfect decisions are making decisions that put us in communion with him. It is living life with God. That's what he wants. It's a relationship, day by day by day. So for him to tell us how to live life would not accomplish that. Instead, what he does is gives us everything we need by saying, this is who I am, this is my heart, these are my desires. And yeah, these are some specific details that you can follow here and there. But in terms of your budget and your groceries and you and your wife, here I am. This is how you make decisions in line with me. Now you use your creativity, your ability, and you make decisions that connect your heart to mine. And together we walk in this life together. Three lessons, a humbling one, a sobering one, a practical one. Not necessarily lessons that I'm going to say God has for you, but I do say that God has something for you. So I'm going to read the passage here, and I'm going to give a little bit of opportunity for reflection as I read it. I just, I just want you to be open to what are the lessons God's teaching you? What do you need saved from? This passage speaks about salvation. And there in the evangelical world, right, there's like three layers of salvation. There's the work Christ did on the cross, that I've already been saved. He's done everything he needs to do for my salvation. There's the work going on now. We still live in a world of sin. I still deal with my flesh, and so I need to say day by day by day. And then there's the work of the future, the hope that we will spend eternal life with Jesus forever. 
So the story I gave for you today was that sanctifying part, that middle work, that second layer of salvation, the, him saving me today and tomorrow and the next day. And he's got a story for that for all of us. I think he's got lessons like that for all of us. I'm going to read this passage here. Titus chapter 3, starting in verse 3. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. Paul's a genius here. He's a genius here because he's about to talk about salvation. He's about to talk about how you need to be saved. But before he does that, he recognizes we're being foolish. We're being downright stupid here. Before you know what you need to be saved from, before your eyes and heart can be opened up to what God wants to do to the lesson he has for you, you've got to be willing to say, I'm being foolish here. You know, I'm telling my wife how to fix this budget, and for some reason, it is not working. I'm telling the pastors and the youth leaders and the educators and my bosses how to do it better, and you know what? For some reason, it is not working. And you know what? What this passage really did for me in this story when I, when I read through it again, this whole passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others, and hating one another. You know the result of me thinking about these things about other people? It didn't fix anything. It just got me more and more negative towards them. I started to think, why aren't I in that position? Or, God, why won't you take them out of that position? Or, God, why won't you fix their hearts and get them to do this better? I started, in small degrees, growing in hatred towards them. Isn't that what we do when we're being foolish? But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, those words, goodness and loving kindness, when we talk about our foolishness, when we talk about what needed to be done to save us, when we talk about where God can actually get us, the words goodness and loving kindness don't even begin to describe the actual work that is going on here. They're too small. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, not because of works done by us in righteousness, not because we're doing everything perfectly, not because we know how to do it or are doing it right. That's not why He saved us. That's not how He saved us. But according to His own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. I am a different person now than I was 20 years ago. Through God's work in me, I have been renewed. I'm, a, I'm renewed. I'm completely different than I was 20 years ago. Hannah sometimes will say, you know what, I wish I knew you as a kid. I wanted to know the little Chris. I wanted to know Chris as a little boy. And I say, thank God that didn't happen. <laughs> we might not be married today. Because I'm different. And we're all different when we go through the process of renewal through the Holy Spirit. So that being justified by His grace, oh, I'm back up here. But according to His own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior. Remember, Jesus Christ is the expression of God, the manifestation of God in our lives. It is how God comes to us. So through Jesus, He's poured out His Spirit in us and renewed us so that being justified by His grace, 
justified by His grace. We can get it wrong, and we're justified by His grace. That we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. There's that future salvation we look for, but we are heirs. We are heirs of the future eternal life, but heirs is an inheritance. We are heirs now. What are we heirs of? We're heirs of what Jesus has. What does Jesus have? Perfect union with God the Father. Going back to what this is all about. That relationship with God. Being able to live with Him day by day. And He's given us everything we need because we know who He is. We know what pleases Him. We know what He wants. We know the desires of His heart. This saying is trustworthy and I want you to insist on these things. I hope you hear the insistence in my voice. I want you to insist on these things, Titus. I want you to insist on these things, Chris. I want you to insist on things, Jason and Mark and Andy and Aaron and John and Casper Lyons Church. Insist on these things because those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people. Now I am far from perfect in this. I was very careful to share a story that made me look good. But when I started changing how I treated my wife, when I started treating her in an excellent way, it was profitable. Not only for our budget, and it has been, but for our relationship too, for our marriage. Do the good works because they are excellent and profitable for us. What are the good works? The good works that bring us in communion with God the Father. What does that look like? Well, get to know Him. What is His heart? What are His desires? How does He lead you? How is Christ displayed in your life? Do you share Christ to others in that way? Those are the good works. You know, I've had people ask us about our budget, and I'm only going to say a small bit here. It's only a degree of vulnerability I'm willing to share from the front. Well, we do. We have a family of eight, and we have limited funds like all of you. And some people have wondered, I don't get how Chris does it. And I'll, and I'll tell you a little bit about how I do it. I do it by not making money my primary reason for making decisions. And that's not going to make a lick of sense to some of you. Money is not my primary way of making decisions. I look at what we have determined in Christ through each other, through our marriage. You can ask my kids about this too. They know it. What is important to us? What are our values? What are we living for? And we make decisions as best as we can, consistent with that. And you know what? Trusting that God is going to provide the profit. And this is a huge statement to say here. Huge. Because I'm putting a lot of confidence in God. But I believe and I live it out as much as I can that when you make decisions consistent with God's heart, the rest of the things fall into place. He takes care of the things that you're not able to. Be it money, be it time, be it health, be it whatever you need. But we get so caught up in making decisions. Do I have the money to do it? Do I have the time to do it? Do I have the resources to do it? And is everybody else around me doing it right so we can get it done? No wonder God doesn't bless that. That's not his heart. But when we are making decisions consistent with his heart, when we allow him to save us through our story, through the lessons he wants for us, when we realize where we're being foolish, and we say, here I am, God, take me, change me, renew me, let it be your work, 
then Paul ends this little passage by saying, it is excellent and profitable. Excellent and profitable. So there's my story. I don't know what God has for you exactly, but I would just call you to pay attention, call you to think about Where is life not working for you? Where are you trying to take control? Do you know God's heart? Do you know God's character? Are you paying attention to how he has expressed Christ to you? How does Jesus show up in your life? And are you extending that same grace and mercy and forgiveness to others in your life? There is a hope, not only of eternal life for the future, but of profit and excellence tomorrow in Christ through how we live our lives. Father God, thank you for this day you've given us. Thank you for these people here braving the cold weather. And I just pray that your spirit would pierce the bitter cold here and even the bitter cold of our hearts, and change us in the ways you want us to change, for our benefit, for your glory, for the love of those around us. God, we need you. We need your salvation. We need your renewing work. We don't need our abilities. But praise God, you give us the opportunity to use who we are to be a part of you with this to take ownership of it, to, to live in the joys and in the failures. I just pray that you would teach that to us in a very deep, deep way, that it would come out in how we live our lives, that when the world looks at us, they would see something different. And the only explanation of that difference is Christ. We thank you that you have given us everything we need, and I pray that you continue to make those things real to us, known to us. Help us understand, help us see, help us live. All these things we pray in Jesus' name, amen.